Hey, Garen, we're back again, and we're talking about your sermon from yesterday. It was March 20th, and you kind of came back and talked a little bit more about something that maybe we didn't get as much of a chance to talk about in the Identity Series as you wanted, and we're talking about how Christ is not only our intercessor, but he's our advocate, and how we can live under his umbrella of love and grace instead of a cloud of judgment, which is where we tend to live. Yeah. So... Um, cloud of condemnation. That really was kind of the cloud big of introductory. Right. A lot, as I talk to people, there's a lot of people that like, I live under this. I'm condemning myself all the time. I'm hearing the condemnation of this, of the evil one. And I'm, I'm just getting a lot of that. And a lot of people that struggle with that sense of condemnation. Hmm. Yeah. So I was going to ask you, why do we need to do this? But you just answered it because so many of us live under that cloud of condemnation. Yeah, I think for past things, past things that I've done that I just can't let go of. And I think a lot of us, if we struggle with something sin-wise now, that we just live under condemnation for that. That inside, I'm just saying, I'm a failure. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what Satan chatters back at us, is he's like, see, you're you're like a nothing. Yeah. Who do you think you are? Because we so badly want to get what we deserve, and it just feels so natural. Well, I've messed up, yep. so this is just my reality now. Yep. And that Christ calls us out of that, but we so desperately want to stay in it according to our flesh. Yeah. Those things so, become so defining for us. I think that's human nature, fall on human nature. Yeah. One of the big things that I took out of it is that essentially you want us to see ourselves like God does, that if we could see ourselves the way God does, we would be so blown away um, at how much he loves us and welcomes us and advocates for us on our behalf. And so... uh was that a big one for you too, or was I just? Was yeah, I mean, to one? me, the really big things were that I really wanted to set the table. I think people know that Satan's an accuser, so I really wanted to set that up and show some scripture of how he actually did that with Job, with Joshua the high priest, and Revelation talks about it. Um, but the thing I'm not sure people know as much is so that's a prosecuting attorney, but two people know Jesus is our defense attorney. And that's what a that's what an advocate is. Yeah. And to let them know that you don't just have the prosecuting attorney, you've got a defense attorney who is greater, he who is in you is greater than he in the world, and that that he is the greater reality. And the work he's doing as an advocate is more powerful and important than this accusing role. And so I really wanted to to build that case that he's he's an intercessor, but he's also an advocate. So I really wanted that that advocate thing. And then and then, like you said, how God's as our advocate, how does he see us? Mm. Yeah, what's the lens when he looks at us that he sees through? You mentioned the words intercessor and advocate, and these are words we hear in church. And just to clarify, an intercessor is someone who maybe mediates between two parties. They uh -huh. stand in the middle, and they're they're impartial, and they're just there to mediate or, or communicate. And then the advocate really lobbies for one side. They really yeah. are not impartial. They are very partial towards one, and you say that's what— And they actually stand beside you. So they say the difference oh, I is see. A, a, an intercessor stands between two parties, okay. an advocate stands beside Oh, that's a good party, way to think about it. And he actually walks with you up to the other, and he's like, he's got his arm around you, and he is for you, and he's really pleading your case, and he under, he's talked to you, yeah. and he understands the legal system, I mean, everything, and so he's really working for you. Hmm. Not that the intercessor isn't, Right. But the advocate, in the, even a more profound way, is somebody that's beside me. And that's why, so the Greek word for advocate is parakletos, which is used of the oh, Spirit the of Jesus. Yeah. yeah, which means to call alongside. Huh, okay. So it fits, the Greek word even fits that definition, that he is somebody, Jesus and the Holy Spirit are called alongside me, and there is standing as my advocate with the Father. Huh. 
Okay. And that they've and that they're at his right, Jesus at his right hand, and Jesus has his ear, and Satan no longer has his ear. So yeah, that was that's that really was good to know, and that's really powerful when we internalize that and yeah. and believe it. Something else you said that was really good was that we define ourselves by our past and present experience while God defines us by our present and future reality. And I thought that that was really good because we define ourselves by our experience and God defines us by what is actually true. Yeah. And that oftentimes there is this massive gap in between those things that we don't see, yeah. but God does. Yeah. And I thought that was really important. Yeah. And that's that kind of hagios thing you said, that we are called, he sees us as the holy ones. And there's it's in Hebrews 1, I think, where it, a really profound passage says, we are becoming, we are holy, and are becoming holy. And so there's a sense that he sees us as the holy ones, but we're also on a journey of becoming holy, but he sees us through that lens. Mm. And like you just said, my so I'll do something today, I'll really blow it with something, and I define myself by that experience. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, see, God, I'm a loser because I did this, and God's like, no, 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 there's a reality greater than that. You are holy in my eyes, you are becoming holy, you will one day be totally holy. That's how I see you. I don't define you by that thing you did today. Yeah. And but we do, and so we live under condemnation. He's like, I don't define you that way. So come out from under the condemnation, because I advocate for you. I'm for you. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm on your side, kind of thing. And you mentioned it yesterday, um, and I'd heard it before, but it was so good to hear you say it and just be reminded that in the New Testament, when someone decides to follow Jesus, they are no longer defined as a sinner or called a sinner. They're called a saint. Yep. Right. Even in their low moments or when they when they stumble still seen as a saint. Yeah. And there's nothing that can take that away. Yeah. And that that's how God sees us, that yeah. we are saints who sin. Yes. He does not see us as these lowly sinners yeah. who are still stuck in our 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 sin, right? He's yeah. moved us out of that. And even when we backslide, when we when we fall, when we stumble, he still sees us as these saints who are holy and they're yeah. hagios, they're set apart. Because yeah. he knows what he's making us and what we'll be, and that's how he sees us. That's really important, Jordan. For a long time, I... When I became a believer, the church I was in, it's like that worm theology you hear about. You know, oh, what a horrible sinner I am, and I'm still deserving. I should be in hell right now. And and that's how I saw myself for a long time. And I didn't. I remember when I first realized God sees me as a saint, it like really blew me away because mm -hmm. I didn't see myself that way. I defined myself by my, what, my experience. Yeah. I had no clue. And when I learned that, I'm like, whoa, that's so powerful. Right. And then when I learned, not just that he sees me that way, but he's an advocate for me. Like he's standing beside me advocating that even like up the ante even more hmm. like, man, I do have this accuser, but I got somebody more powerful who's advocating. So what if we saw ourselves the way that God does? I mean, how much easier would our walk with Christ be if we were really able to see ourselves like he does and not through this cloud of condemnation? Yeah. I mean, it'd be the biggest difference maker there is, right? Yeah. Wouldn't we walk with more power and more confidence? I know Tim Keller talks a lot about that, that the two places God wants us is having humility and great confidence in him. And when we have too low a view of ourselves, it strips the confidence away. And that's what, you know, a minute we'll get to First John 3, where he talks about that he wants us to have confidence before God. Hmm. So, yeah, I know who I am. I mean, I know, I know my reality, but I know who he defines me, and that allows me to really step into things. I have... You know, you're a guy and I'm a guy. I think a lot of guys, what a lot of men struggle with, I don't just think this, I know this, is a lot of men are like, I fail at this, this, and this, therefore I can't lead my family spiritually. Or I've failed at this, I've stumbled here, here, and here, therefore I can't really do anything in the church because I'm disqualified. So I think a lot of men especially are living 
defining themselves by their past or present experience, not who they are in God's eyes, and mm-hmm. then he advocates for them, and he sees them positively and of love and grace, and it, it makes them really, I think a lot of men shrink back because of this and don't live with that confidence. Yeah, and it's hard to shake because for so much, so much of, so, how do I want to say it? So much of our experience is perception is reality, right? Yes. That if we perceive it this way, if this is my experience and my feeling, then that has to be the truth. And it's so hard to leave that headspace. But if we can, and we understand there's a reality that God sees that's outside of our experience, um, that's when we start to really understand, oh, okay. Um, I've been lied to by the enemy. Yeah. And I've been accused of things that I'm actually not guilty of because Christ paid yeah. for it. And yeah. I can start to see myself in a new way. Yeah. And I, I like that. He want, And he wants to keep me in my perception bubble. You, When you said that, you reminded me, I'm drawing as we talk, of Henry Blackaby talks about that I tend to have this bubble of my experience around me and I define everything by this. But he says God stands outside of that and he mm. sees a bigger picture. But yeah, and Satan, I think, wants to keep me in that perception bubble of, of how he wants me to perceive myself because mm. he knows it's defeating, that I'll shrink back, yeah. that I won't live a confident Christian life. And that's why this advocate and how God sees me is so important. So we to get out of our headspace into his headspace is really significant. You asked, well, you kind of challenged everyone with this question. You said, you know, what burden are you carrying right now? And I think that's a great place to take that with that perception bubble of, let's just apply it right there. Are you someone who can't escape your own perception bubble, who really struggles to see the reality of who you are because you're so caught up in the experience of who you may have been? or even currently are, like maybe you're in a low spot and you're not walking it out. And God is calling you out of that because he knows he's created you for more, but you can't escape it on your own. So maybe that's a good point of reflection this week. Am I stuck in my own perception bubble or can I I look outside of that and know the truth of what God has for me? Yeah, that's good, man. I like that. Um, You mentioned 1 John 3. We wanted to read it again real quick. You kind of wrapped it up with this, but... um, well, I'll just read it because it's really good and it, it helps us to know kind of where we're at. So 1 John 3, 19 to 21 says, this is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at, at rest. Okay, how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. And then verse 20, if our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And you said that so many of us are living in verse 20 and we need to get yeah. to 21. Yeah. So well, what is it? Condemn us. Yeah. So what it means to be in verse 20 is that our hearts are condemning us. Yep. Um, we're agreeing with the accuser yeah. instead of the advocate. Yeah, yep. right. Yep. I'm in agreement with him instead of in mm-hmm. agreement with the one who really matters. Yeah. You've got this advocate next to you, but you you kind of put him at bay and say, hold on just a second. You go to the other side yep. and you say, I'm actually going to side with you on this. Uh-huh. And you're ditching your advocate. Yep. With, who is arguing for the truth and you're yes. siding with something yeah. else. Man, because our hearts condemn us. And you say we need to move into verse 21, where if our hearts do not condemn us, then we have confidence before God. Yeah. So why is that so important that we, because it's not just about our hearts not condemning us. Obviously that leads to something bigger. So what is that bigger thing that is opened up to us if we can get past this cloud of self-condemnation? Yeah, to me, it's these two words, hearts at rest in his presence and confidence before him. Hmm. And I think, man, if everybody, if all believers could really have that, if I could just be at rest in his presence and I could have confidence. And you and I have talked a lot about the book, um, what, the self-forgetfulness, what's it called? Freedom from, freedom of self-forgetfulness, yeah. Where Paul says in 1 Corinthians 4, he says, 
I don't judge myself. Mm -hmm. He lived here. He lived in verse 21. And I think we all want to, and it, we don't quite know how to. Um, and I think we're probably going to make that book available yeah, in, we the, should. in the coming weeks for people. Because, yeah, that's where Paul, Paul lived in 21, but a lot of us live in 20. It actually lines up with a lot of what you said lately, but especially this message, because the author talks about every day we walk into a courtroom when we live in our flesh and we have to prove it to ourselves over again. All right, I got to be good enough again today. I got to shake my condemnation again today. I got to do something that will make me feel worthy today. And his whole point of the book is that Jesus 2,000 years ago went into the courtroom, laid his life down, paid for it, and said, <clears throat> we're never coming back in here again. The, mm -hmm. the court is adjourned. It's over. Yeah. And it's paid for. So you uh -huh. know your worth. Uh -huh. But we force ourselves back into that courtroom all yeah, the time. All the time. And so you just see it right there so starkly, right? Yep. Verse 20, I'm in the courtroom every day. Yep. I'm being condemned. I got to prove myself innocent. Verse 21, I'm living with confidence before yeah. God because of what Christ has done yep. for me. Yep. Yeah, and like you said, it's, I'm calling myself, and I think the accuser every day is calling me back in that courtroom. Hey, mm -hmm. come back. Let me drag you back in here. Mm -hmm. And the advocate's like, that's done. It's taken care of. You're, yeah. you're my hagios of God. You're my saint of God. Like, let's live in confidence. So, yeah. This was so important. Um, if you missed this message, please <clears throat> go back and listen to it because this is a faith definer. I mean, this is really, really huge. So, because why? Because if we if we're not living this out and we are allowing ourselves to be condemned, man, that is a dreadful cycle yes. that will stick with you your whole life and you'll never feel good enough yep. and you'll never feel like God wants you. You'll only feel like he's there to judge you and you'll miss the reality that he's not only um, interceding on your behalf, but he's advocating for you. So please, 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 even if you did listen to it, go or you were here for it live, go listen to it again um, this week because it is so excellent. And... Uh, just live in verse 21 and make sure we leave leave verse 20 because that's an yep. ugly place to be. It is. Okay, we're going to wrap it. Garen, any any final thoughts as we go out? Yeah, just one quick thing. You know, we ended with a response yesterday, and the thing I decided to do was to, to bring out the old crosses, and I just felt like that physical action of like of kind of living out physically, displaying what happened on the cross was important. But it struck you. It, it's really interesting to me. Out in the audience, it struck you a particular way. Oh, yeah. I was going to say something about that. It was really cool to hear the nails being pounded into the cross set to worship music. I feel like a lot of people went up and they tried to tap it really quietly because they didn't want to disturb anybody. But somebody went up and they kind of wailed on it. And it was like, doom, 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 as the worship music was happening. And it just took me to a place of re remembering, first of all, like that Jesus paid for that. And it was really cool to just hear that happening during the worship set in a really real way. But the other thing is it was really encouraging because with every pound of the hammer, you're like, wow, somebody is giving something yeah, up. Somebody right. is dropping that condemnation in a new yeah. way. And it was really a cool sign of freedom in there. And I don't think it was maybe intended that way. Maybe if it was, that no, was genius. It wasn't. But if it wasn't, man, that was just like the Holy Spirit creating a cool moment because I hope others thought it was was cool. I thought it was was really awesome. So huh. not just being able to do that, but us as a body witnessing it and hearing it and taking it in with all our senses was really neat. Yeah. So that's cool. That was cool. Yeah. That's what we got. Guys, thank you so much for being with us on this. Once again, first John 3, 19 to 21, get into that passage this week and make sure that we're living in verse 21 and not 20. Because what is it, Garen? We don't want to live under a cloud of condemnation, but under the umbrella of God's grace and love. God's grace and love. There you go. So 12th, live it out this week. We'll see you guys.